you are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. Recording live from the heart of Snowmageddon, I'm your old pal Sanders. And I'm your good buddy Liv. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode 55, Kembe Matumbo edition. Nice. Um, I'm assuming he wore 55. That's what is in my head, but I didn't do any confirmation or show prep i just threw that in there i gave the kimby matumbo a high five at last year's all-star game you sex matumbo yes he was real (laughs) serious he was walking with somebody he's in a suit because i think he has some kind of ambassador position or something it was i think it was after the game itself maybe or maybe it was after i don't know when it was but it was in the concourse of the arena uh and he was on the phone, and he was talking real serious, or he was talking to somebody. I don't know if he was on the phone, whatever the case was. And I was like, Dikembe, and he was he was real serious, and he just gave me a high five and kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how many times do they play the All-Star game in New Orleans? But I'm thinking that, um, that we've talked about the all-star game yeah. in new orleans but i fucked up the recording that episode yeah they've done it here twice 2007 i believe that was the first one was it 2007 or it might have been 2008 yeah it was probably 2008 because six seven was the first year of law school so it must have been 2008 because the people i was with were people i wasn't really friendly with till the next year what um when was the last year when was the steve kerr that was last year that was okay that was the legendary thing last year that last the first year first time i was here i went to a couple of things you know but and i got i went to the dunk contest but last year was when i was hanging out with duff at the dunk contest and got you know we were in the suite like for the last 20 minutes or whatever and got taken into the after party uh, in the tent they set up next door where Kid Rock was playing and Steve Kerr and Charles Barkley was hanging out with Wolf Blitzer. (laughs) 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 They were up in the VIP area. I caught Steve Kerr on his way up to the VIP area. (laughs) (laughs) I heard on the radio today... um... There was a radio commercial, and I didn't quite pay attention until I realized what they were talking about. It's, I don't even know who, what company put out the commercial, um, but it was, it was like a dramatic reenactment or, or an NFL Films-esque voiceover type of deal of... The Michael Jordan Dominique Wilkins slam dunk contest okay. showdown. Yeah. With the famous um 
uh, uh, foul line takeoff. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's a radio commercial. Oh, uh, okay. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. Is, is there a television commercial? I don't know that? of it. Of course, I don't have cable, so. <laughs> Couple, two, two idiots yeah. who can't even keep track of, uh, of current events when it comes to uh, television commercials, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, there's not much you can do. Uh, happy Thursday, man. I feel like it's the first time in a while we've, uh, we've gotten a Thursday night episode in. Yeah. I re- you remember when we first started doing it? We are like, we're going to do it every Thursday. And like the first 10 episodes, we did maybe two Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded on Saturday mornings, you know, Wednesday evenings because we mm. were double booked on Thursday, you know. Um, somebody, that's um, funny that you mentioned that because um, every once in a while somebody will tell me that they just listened to an old episode. They're like, oh man, you know, I just listened to episode 12 or, uh, you know, oh, I just started listening to them again. And so I'll go back and I'll listen to, um, you know, past episodes. Yeah. And I just listened to an episode like within our first 10 episodes where we're like, man, remember when we said we were going to do this every Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, what can you do, man? What can you do? I don't know, man. But 55 episodes strong. Here we are. I survived uh, the storm of the century. Yeah, apparently it didn't. Um, it was all sound and fury down your way, right? Yeah, we got probably about four inches, just enough to use the snowblower, which was pretty cool. What? Um. First time I'd ever used a snowblower, so I was out there. Um, you know, clearing the driveway. We have a pretty big driveway, so made pretty quick work of it. But other than that, not much excitement. Um, my brother's up in Boston. Jeremy's doing some work, uh, some contract work up in Boston. And um, <clears throat> he sent some pictures. And the snow drifts in the parking lot of his hotel were uh, buried his car. Damn. Like 100% buried his car. And um, he was, the storm rolled in like on a maybe uh, 7 a.m. on a maybe Tuesday, 7 a.m. Tuesday. And rolled out 1 a.m. on Wednesday morning. He said they had the whole parking lot cleared by the time he had to go to work Wednesday at 7 a.m. So he said they don't fuck around up there. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, Texting back and forth with Carla on Tuesday, and then I actually talked to her that night because she's, you know, she was at home, and Brian is every year, poorhouse whiskeys people, you know, they yeah. take them all down to uh, uh, somewhere warm. <laughs> this year they're down in Mexico, you know, so this is the week he's down in Mexico, while this thing was going on, you know, and. Oh, perfect week to get out of town. Yeah. Meanwhile, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> stuck on the homestead. Yeah, stuck in the homestead all by herself, you know? And <laughs> and they don't let, they never let spouses go, right? It's only like a management thing. Yeah, but from what she told me anyway, which I suspect as it is, that she has little interest in going on that trip with all those people. 
It's such a it's such a funny company because um, I mean he's worked there forever and he loves it and yes. they treat him really well and I think oh you know you worked for them yes I did but my impression is that there is a huge divide between like upper management or management and and like the rank and file because he was telling me a story they throw a huge Christmas last um, last. December, he came up with a couple of liquor reps. Yeah, when you went to that thing and met him out, right? Yep. And Fat uh, Pat was there, Pat. right? Yeah, Fat Pat came and had a couple of beers with us. And I ended up spending the night in the city and um, crashed with him at his hotel. And so um, he was kind of telling me all about, you know, the different um, outings that they go on and festivities they have. And apparently the Christmas party is is a huge deal like the whatever the owner opens up his house or opens yeah, up his cape that's house that's only for like management and like one of the cooks or something drove the van i just know when i was there there was never a christmas party for employees <laughs> I, I don't even know if there is one now oh i doubt there is but they made the 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 chef um <laughs> drive the the van chef oh of all the people, and then he had to sit out in the van. wonder who it was. That couldn't have been Keith. He wouldn't have done that shit. I don't, in my head, um, I pictured Keith, because he's the only chef I know. Yeah, I know. I just can't picture him sitting out in the van. Keith, like, I know he's that, you know, he's the cook or that stuff, but you seem like, seems like they would let Keith come into the party. And that's what, that's what kind of made it seem weird, is because... Uh, Whoever I thought it was, I'd have been like, well, why don't you just invite that guy in? I I think he's kind of fun. Yeah. And they're like, nope, it's management only. Yeah, they used to do, like when I was there, they would do that. And they would, and, you know, one time they was open the house. I know other times they, where they friggin' got a hotel rooms for all of them or something, you know? Because it was, and I don't know if maybe it was party at the house and then maybe, you know, since they live kind of out there. You know, Bobby and whomever. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe they just, like, gave him cabs to a hotel close by just because they knew it was going to be a shit show. That might have been what it was. What, you know, where the, nobody was going to be able to drive back to their homes. Those guys own, own uh, the poorhouse and Whiskies? Is that poorhouse it? and Whiskies. And they also have an ownership interest in T-Bones, which is in Plymouth. Oh, yeah, that's and right. Colin and Paul Hayes run that place. You know, I think I don't know if Paul Hayes actually runs it, but I think Collins got ownership interest. Who's Paul Hayes? Paul Hayes is the dude from Syracuse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he DJ didn't go to Syracuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He's a really good dude. Yeah, that's why the name sounds familiar because he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Hayes. When when I first got there, when I first moved to Boston, he had broken his neck, like the year preceding that shit. I think. He was like in a real bad car accident. The kid was lucky to be alive, you know. And um, I don't know if he was driving drunk or what, but it was like, uh, you know, I, I guess I had met him and hung out with him in the um, in the time that I had hung out there with BP back in two thousand one when I was there for like two weeks. Okay, that's when I met Adam Kohler and stuff. But I couldn't really remember. But when but when I got back there, Paul 
was there and he treated me just like I was anybody else, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. So I was like, well, I must have met you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how that is. You know? I know. I definitely know how that is. Just visiting. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, for the two weeks I was there, I was at the poorhouse a lot because Brian was working every day and I was hanging out in Boston by myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this, though. The last year, I, I think it was the last year I was there, and I don't know if they've done this since. Uh, Bobby and those guys, and uh, what's his name, Brian Cavanaugh. Bobby had a house, a beach house down in Marshfield. And I guess because there was kind of complaints about how they didn't do anything for the employees, they okay. threw like this uh, like party out at his beach house in Marshfield, and they hired one of these little, you know, one of those pseudo trolley looking things to drive us out there. All right. You, you know those? They look yeah, like yeah. a trolley, but it's a bus or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're pretty popular up here for weddings. Yeah, yeah. And it was a. And I remember we went out there. It was a friggin' shit show and a half, and everybody was there, you know. Uh, and then the, like all the employees. Yeah, like the, all the employees of Whiskey's and Poorhouse, because at the time it was just Whiskey's and Poorhouse, you know, it was no okay. ones. And what I remember on the way back, uh, well, a I think we pulled over to the side of the road so people could go take a leak on the highway because people would get you. <laughs> Which always blows me away. Gr- Grown-ass people, you know, acting like friggin' eight-year-olds, you know? <laughs> I'm I'm of the small... I'm actually probably the president of the Small Bladder Society. But I know my place. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not exactly. the guy who asks for and the And I think it was stop. Marshfield to Boston. It wasn't exactly Boston to Maine. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Right. 40 minute trip <laughs> exactly <laughs> and I'm take a piss this huge uproar to pull over and this kid who worked the door with us who whose real job his his study job was uh he worked at one of the hotels he might work at a Sheraton or something he was like in reservations and shit you know one of those guys that wore the suit at the host at the hotel right, right. he got into it with this guy uh, Austin, who was a manager at Whiskey's, and there was some fight. So my, so I don't know maybe if they ever did it again because that was like on the way back and like after the thing ended, and there was everybody's. You know, I just remember being really bombed, and there's this, you know, beef going on between the manager from friggin' Whiskey's and this dude Matthew Del Papa was his name. <laughs> You know, it was just, it was just stupid. It was like, why is this even happening? You know, it was just, so I am curious whether they ever did again, because that's the type of thing that the reason bosses won't throw parties for their staff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he threw it. I remember they ordered all this Chinese food. It was just ridiculous. It was a, it was out of control and it was awesome. and It was great. But I do remember that put a damper on everything was the fight at the end of the trip. And it was a controversy between both of them. I know Brian had to get involved with it because, you know, I don't think Bobby was on the bus back with us, but they hear about this, you know, and there was an investigation and what the fuck happened, you know, and and so it was a whole to do. So I'm willing to bet they probably never did the uh, Marshfield beach trip again. 
Which is sad because it was cool. We played beach games, you know, where he split up in the teams, you know, and there were events on the beach and all this stuff, even though it really wasn't exactly uh, beach weather because I think it's beach weather for about a day in New England. (laughs) Every year on July 23rd, you can go to the beach and actually enjoy it and feel like you're at a real beach. (laughs) (laughs) I never... um... I lived in Winthrop, and the closest, like, commercial beach, you know, where you would actually go and, like, put a lawn chair or put a beach chair out was Revere. Revere. But that wasn't, like, what I'm used to, you know, living in Jersey with, you know, like, uh, just uninterrupted coastline of, of, of beaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never really hung out at the beach, um... Yeah, all the beach hanging I did when I was little was going to Florida, which, you know, it's like three hours here in Florida, you know, and Florida's beaches and it's sunny, you know, and there's nobody's ever at the beach. There's no chance of you showing up to a beach in Florida in June and it being 50 something degrees. Right. I remember uh, when I was working for a law firm, we used to always do a summer outing. The first year I was there, the summer outing was the P-Town. You know, so we took that high-speed ferry out of Boston Harbor. It gets you up there like in 90 minutes, which is flying. Right. You know? And it was, I remember it was, I can't say the exact date, but it was somewhere between June 19th to June 23rd or something it was. Okay. And it was 50-something degrees and overcast. (laughs) (laughs) Now, see, in Jersey, it's... That's not quite warm enough to get in the water. The water will still be pretty cold. Yeah. But, I mean, like half the people will brave it. Yes. But still, it's still 70 degrees and sunny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if if it ever got to 50-something degrees in New Orleans in June, people would be having parties in the streets. <laughs> you know? The idea, it's like, wait, it's Fucking almost the end of June, and it's too cold to hang out on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And that's so. I mean, not like we weren't going to do this anyway. We, we, We got there, and the guys I was with, we went into a bar and just got smashed. (laughs) You know, What's there that? was no like organized event. Like, there was an organized event we had to go back to for lunch. Okay. But like to get there, when you got there, it was up to everybody. Like, you know, all these old women went to the antique shops and stuff. All the secretaries were doing all that shit. You know, I don't know what all the lawyers and stuff were doing. Probably the same sort of stuff because they were probably with their family members or whatever. But like, we were the mailroom guys. You know, right. We find a <laughs> bar, and of course, it's P Town, so every bar is a gay bar. Right. And uh, <laughs> but I remember so. We're sitting at this bar. We're just, we were already getting liquored up because we were on this, that high speed ferry, which serves alcohol. (laughs) Uh, Which is funny because they had people getting seasick on that thing. Uh, I mean, it was funny to me, not funny for them. (laughs) You know, these people, oh, they're having a couple of drinks and then they can't handle it. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been on, I haven't been on ships that many times where I've never had a problem with seasickness. So it's, I'm a, it's foreign to me. Yeah, I'm okay if the boat's moving. Yeah. Oh, it's the it's the rocking that gets you. 
The rocking gets me, yeah. yeah. So we got so we're hanging out in this bar and then while we were in there, like the Bacardi rep came by, you know, to drop off stuff. You know, he probably didn't figure anybody was gonna be in there. The bar was open, but he was probably just you know, just stopping by and he dropped off all his stuff and one of the things he dropped off were these shirts which were clearly, you know, it was a Bacardi shirt, a black Bacardi shirt with you know, black with the Bacardi logo in the middle, you know, the bat in the circle. Yep. Yep. And it was clearly geared towards the gay clientele that they were going to have. Because it was like one of those shirts you see in International Mail. It wasn't a tank, but it was sleeveless. You know the ones I'm talking about? <laughs> Wait, time out. Well, I, I know that type of shirt, but what's International Mail? <laughs> it's this gay, like, catalog. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Syracuse, it was like a... More than a couple of times, I would, I've known people that were pranked by getting by people putting their names on the international mail. Oh my god, uh, I'm as gay friendly list. as I'm as gay friendly as they come, but I've never heard of international mail. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what they call that shirt. They might call it a what, like a a muscle shirt or something like. Yeah, okay, muscle shirt. That's a good. Yeah, that that conjures up the right. And I had uh, like these Elvis glasses already with me, you know. Right, right. So, so we're already running late, and we're from the mailroom. We're like the friggin' caddies in Caddyshack you know? <laughs> when they open the pool to them. Right. So when we come back, they're doing a karaoke contest at lunch. Everybody's already in there. We come walking back. I'm in that friggin' shirt. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the Elvis glasses. Everybody's like, oh, God, the riffraff is here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get up there. We did karaoke. And what do we do? Uh Oh, Burn in Love, I believe we did. And I was, like, doing all the Elvis stuff, you know. Of course you were. <laughs> yeah, and we won the karaoke contest. They gave us a uh, they gave us a Three Stooges CD. It was all bullshit prizes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do you still have the shirt? I don't know if I still have that shirt, man. But I definitely had – I got to go find pictures because – one thing they did at the beginning, and it was this attorney, Sean Vinden. He was really cool. He was a former military guy, I think. But he was a really cool, chill, like, regular guy, which was rare because a lot of the attorneys there, you know, a lot of them didn't really relate to regular dudes, you know? Okay. Um, a lot of them were like what you think of when you think of a Boston attorney who's got a Harvard law degree, you know? Okay. Uh but he was he he had he had a big old box of those fun saver cameras, and he was just handing them out to people. And the whole thing was you were supposed to give them back, and they were supposed to, you know, to to give the pictures, and they were going to get the pictures developed. But we just got developed ourselves because it was like we wanted the pictures, and I know we had several pictures where I was in the shirt and stuff, so they must be somewhere. In the archives of my house. By we, do you mean you and the other mailroom guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which also included Lou, the World War II veteran. <laughs> son was the uh, librarian of the law library at the at the at the firm. Do you guys have like how long did you work there? Three years, basically. 
Did did you guys have like a team picture taken? Uh, you know, the- yeah. Well, we do have a. There's a. There should be pictures like that somewhere. I know there's a picture of most of us with the uh, Red Sox World Series trophy that W. WB Mason was a big supplier, so they since they were a big sponsor of the Red Sox, right? They they had this. They let the Red Sox let them bring the trophy to their headquarters. Okay, have a big party, and they invited like all their clients. So the guys that were like the uh, supervisors in charge of hire of order and stuff, they were real cool, and they took us down there. You know, because technically it was for like the dudes they're dealing with directly. Right, right. Take all these guys. And I know we took a picture, but the problem is I don't think it's with everybody from the mailroom, but it's a group of us around the around the World Series trophy. You know? That's, that's good enough. Yeah, and then I got it's all it's you know, the printing's on W B Mason paper, you know, like it's uh clearly theirs, but there's also one with me with just the trophy but they wouldn't let you touch it you know because <laughs> you were in the from the mail room no because it's the world series trophy. Oh. <laughs> it's like gold but uh that event also they had that was another one of those things where there was i know there was a big senior partner i'm not even gonna say his name but he he <laughs> he was so fucked up this event they have the summer associates you know about summer associates yeah, since you went yeah. to law school yeah and he was getting very uh you know he was getting drunk with him this is a guy who was in a probably close to 60 if not in his 60s at the time you know he was like an old deadhead guy and he couldn't even talk apparently and this is a guy who was probably billing 600 dollars an hour that type of attorney you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, the same attorney would probably be billing nine hundred dollars an hour th- uh, ten years later. Okay. So we're talking big time attorney. <laughs> he had they apparently like the the head the the brain trust of the law firm after the the uh, summer outing because I'm just thinking about how it relates same with the uh, thing that happened with the poorhouse whiskeys one. They had to take him in. They took him aside and had a talking to with him. You know, <laughs> there was like, video of him trying to do karaoke, and he was trying to do like the, uh, you know, like that chorus line kick, and he was completely unintelligible. He was making the summer associates, in particular, this one girl, very uncomfortable. <laughs> they had to talk to him during the event or after? afterwards, because there was video of this shit too. And they're like, dude, you know this is completely unacceptable. You know, I mean, from what I the gist I got from is they had a big talking to him, like, dude, you you understand this could totally fuck up your career and we might have to get rid of you. You know? Well, he was a senior partner? Oh yeah. He was a big oh, time man. dude. And it's like those summer associates, they a lot of them aren't just working at your firm. They're they're competing for jobs and they're also you're you're testing them, but they're also seeing how they like your firm, right? You know? right. And imagine they go back and they say they're at some other big firm, and they're like, "Oh, this guy was all fucked up." That rumor gets around, you know. They might have yeah. to throw that attorney because you know, no, none of these big clients want to hear. Oh, wait, the guy who we do this, who we deal with all the times, a a friggin' terrible lush that, <laughs> you know, right? You know, it was like that video got around, so it was. 
Cole issued that. And then I remember you come back and there was place right on the harbor and everybody was just getting drunk in there. Oh, it was that was um that was good times, my friend. <laughs> Did they only do that uh, once? Yeah, you know why see, when I first start working there, first I got in as a temp right when I moved to Boston, and I start working this place, Hutchins Wheeler Wheeler and Dittmar, which at the time was the oldest firm in Boston. Okay. But the reason they had positions was because a few partners there, this other firm, Wild Gotchel, I don't know if you heard of them. I know they're, they were in New York and I think London, but they, I don't think they had a presence in Boston yet. They're a big firm. Okay. They came and grabbed a couple of these partners who left with a big book of clients and this firm, which was the oldest firm in Boston, just started dying. You know, so eventually this firm, Nixon Peabody, bought up, which was in our building anyway. They they were a big national firm, and they actually based their headquarters were in Rochester. But they had offices in San Francisco, you know, all over the place, you know. Right. County. They bought up Hutchins, Wheeler, and Dittmar, and I think the reason... We had summer outings after that, but that was the only summer outing that was that awesome because it was just like since it was the new people they were folding in, you know, they're like, well, we'll give them a good one, you know, make a good impression. Right. Because the next year's, you know, one year it was like at the Museum of Science and Technology. I forget where the other one was, but the, uh, but yeah, when they first bought the firm, they, they did the big blowout because it's like, uh, all right. Yeah. Because their complaint, you know, Hutchins were on Dittmar, it was folding. And those people from Nixon, their whole complaint was always, oh, they spend too much money on shit. Because apparently Hutchins, like everything they used to do was over the top, you know. And offices were all way bigger. But they were like, see, look, that, that justified any tightness from Nixon every time it would come up and you'd be like, well, it used to be this way. It's like, yeah, but you're wasting money at that place. <laughs> like, I remember when these partners moved into their offices and they were like, cause they, cause they had to move into new space. So we moved into a new building next door since you had all these new attorneys and all the people that came from Hutch were, were so flabbergasted at the, at the size of the offices. They were so much smaller. Where, um, where were the offices? Down, uh, the f- original one was in, I think it was 100 Federal Street, you know, down the financial district down there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That moved basically next door to uh, 100 Summer Street, I think it was called. You know, right, you know, it's a couple of blocks away from Chinatown, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I worked, uh, when I worked for that sports agency, we worked out of a law firm on Milk Street, so. Yeah, 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 right around there, yeah. Right across from Finn McCool's and uh, Jose McIntyre's. Yeah. Like, we used to always go to Foley's. That was the big place we would go after on Fridays. Okay. I st- and I go to Foley's when I go to Boston. I stop in there. I try stopping there for a beer all the time because I love that place. Yeah, that area is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a cool area, you know, and you're in, right in the middle of it. You know, you'd walk out at lunch and you felt like, you know, you feel like you're you're in the shit, you know? Yeah. And Boston Commons, not too far away. Everything it it was. Uh, hell, I remember me and one of the guys. We brought our gloves, and on lunch we walked to Boston Common and we threw. 
<laughs> There's no stress on you when you're a mailroom guy. Right. You know, and the right. thing is, you technically were only supposed to take so long for lunch. And then also, see, they cut back on this. When I first got hired there, you used to have to do messenger stuff, you know, like where you'd go to hand deliver stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the firm that bought us out, they didn't do that. They farmed all that shit out to bike messengers and car messengers, you know? Okay. But, uh, but occasionally there was still stuff, and I, I would be like, oh, I'll, I'll go deal with that deposit. Because, you know, if you were in the office just sitting around, because there was never really anything to do, you know? <laughs> it was just right. a lot of free time. <laughs> if you're in the office screwing around, people would be like, well, what are you doing? Do something. But if you were right, right, out of right. sight, out of mind, so you go yeah. for delivery, I would go make like a delivery. I hit Newberry Comics, you know, <laughs> grab an ice cream. Because <laughs> if you were gone for like two hours, nobody noticed. <laughs> right. <laughs> they forgot why they sent you. Yeah, yes. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the funny thing was, when I first got there, this is 2002, and I'd go down. Uh, these buildings, and they would have all these rigorous restrictions to get in, all because of 9 11. Oh, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, why do you think this building is bombable? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never fucking heard of this building. You know, mm-hmm. I've never really heard of any buildings in Boston. I mean, yeah, I knew the John Hancock Tower, but I don't think anybody that hasn't been to Boston could tell you about the John Hancock Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Oh, it's like, and this isn't even that. This is just a random building that's got the name of an address on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even the such and such building. It's just like right, one fifty five Sumner. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like, and you think, and you think that somebody's gonna come in here and bomb this fucking place? (laughs) It's like the reason the World Trade Center was blown up is because it was the World Fucking Trade Center. Everybody knew of it. The Twin Towers. You know? Nobody's going to be like, oh, no, the terrorists made a statement. They blew up a random building in downtown Boston today. (laughs) 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 Be like, oh, 100 Summer. Be like, what the fuck's that? You know? (laughs) So stupid. Because it was was always so ridiculous, all the shit you had to go through. Even when I was living in Boston, um, I was like... Oh man, that's a really nice building. That's that could, that's so nice. That could be a state capitol building. Yeah, like, uh, that is the capitol building. <laughs> yeah. like, whoa, whoa, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you <laughs> you hit it out of the park there. Nailed that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I don't even know how we got into that conversation. I guess because we're doing. talking about the poorhouse Christmas. Oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, something that's a little more near and dear to your heart. I spent my evening um, catching up on togetherness. Yes. So I watched it on demand, and apparently there's. Oh, wait. Let me back up. Let me back up before um, before we get into that. Uh, I have a retraction uh, okay. that I was informed that I must make. Uh, True Detective uh, Season 2 has not come out yet. Okay. I didn't uh, think so because 
I didn't see people coming all over their pants on Facebook and Twitter about all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like they were doing or doing the original one. Yeah, I don't know why um, I had thought I saw that. And um, your reaction to that news should have cued me in that I was wrong, but I just kept running with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm here to uh, recant That's and uh, retract that my statement. Better man. Sometime this um, middle of 2015, it's supposed to come out. All right. So, um, but don't fret because I spent my time, my HBO time, wisely uh, watching. Uh, togetherness, and apparently there's three episodes out. Yeah, three. Um, yeah. So I watched them all. Uh, so you got to see demand. Amanda Pete's breast. I got to see Amanda Pete's breast, and I'll tell you what, um, Steve Zissis makes that show, and I'm not just saying this because we've been talking him up, and, yeah. And I know that he's a friend of yours. He's like, um, I would, I would probably say the closest character to uh, George Costanza <laughs> that has come around since George Costanza. Well, and the funny thing is, so much of that stuff, we're like, that's totally auto- autobiographical. It, it seems like it. Well, he definitely was the president of our school. <laughs> was he really? Yeah, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a jock or anything, but he was definitely right. the president. <laughs> so that scene was pretty funny, and he definitely... He's been out there for a long time trying to become a successful actor. So all that shit's very accurate, you know? And I'll tell you what, man. I think this is his. This is definitely his breakthrough. Uh, I guess they've... they've um, the first season's in the can. Yeah, they got so, renewed already. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah, Steve man, posted that, it to Facebook the other day. Then, uh, then that's it, man. This is his break because he is really good. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, as much as he is good, I mean, everybody else is is um, he does a good job in the show, and and you know their characters are pretty solid. But I'll tell you what, man, fuck Amanda Pete. Yeah, <laughs> because she not only does he outshine her, he is in every single scene with her. So there's no reason she should have forgot his name uh, when she went on Letterman. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how the hell could she forget a guy's name who she, who is her partner on the show? You know? Like, literally, for the first three episodes, they share equal screen time, and they're in almost every scene together. Yep. So, I went back and I took a look at what was what she's been in. And I'm like, when did I first know her? Because I used to be a fan of hers. The whole nine yards when she showed her breast the other time. Okay, what? That's uh, that was in the that, '90s. What's his name? Matthew uh, Bruce Willis. Curry and Bruce oh, Matthew, Willis. Yeah. And Bruce Willis. Okay, she started um, on a show that I used to watch. Um, maybe it was like a Fox show or like a WB or whatever. Called Jack and Jill. Okay. And it was like, um, you know, it was one of those like millennial, um, I guess it was a comedy, um, had, uh, Jamie Priestley, Simon Rex, um, dude, Jason Kirk, who's from, uh, Weeds, okay. plays Uncle Andy. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember him. I, I watched Weeds early on. 
But the whole nine yards, saving Silverman, she plays she plays the girlfriend's friend yep. or something. But other than that, like Well yeah, she's identity. Kinda, she's kinda like a C lister. Yeah, she was an identity. She was pretty decent in in, a, in identity. Apparently, her husband is the creator of Game Game of Thrones for HBO. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I don't watch that, but she was talking yeah, about that in Letterman that same night, and then today, you know, they had it as a trending thing on friggin' Facebook or something. Her saying something about how she didn't think it was going to be successful. She didn't think what was going to be successful. Game of Thrones. Oh. Um. Yeah. So I mean, she's like C list at best, you know. Yep. Like. Um, but this is what cracked me up. So, um, as I'm watching the show, I kind of get down into a spiral, and I wanted to see what people were saying about Steve Zissis' performance. Because I, um, I thought that he did such a good job. I wanted to see if people were kind of catching on. Or if I was just being biased. Yeah. So I go to the Togetherness IMDB page. And it's got, um, it's got a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. But there's only four reviews. Oh, all right. So I click on... Two of them are in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's positive. <laughs> so I didn't read those. Oh, wait, where do I? Where can I go to look at the see this? This. Um, okay, and this was somebody who gave it. Um, okay, this is somebody who gave it a five out of ten. First of all, I don't. Wait. I don't ever... Oh, okay. First of all, I don't ever have to see another glance of Melanie Linsky's bosom. <laughs> the director seems to want to throw it, throw that in every two minutes. Yeah. It's inappropriate and has nothing to do with the story. It only seems... It doesn't do with the story. It only seems there to bump ratings. You can blame that on Mark, Mark and Jay Duplass. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is... Um, there's people out there think Mel like I know Jacob thinks Melanie Linsky's hot, but I guess that's what you think when you're late, you know, middle aged and married. You know, that's your view of hot, I guess. Well, you know what's funny is I think she's hot. Do you? I do. I do. She's totally my type of chick. Yeah. And I'm a boob guy, so like, um, you know, the fact that she's a little thicker and you know, you know, has kind of that girl next door kind of look is. Uh, is right up my alley. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, so... And the show's clearly geared towards people our age. Yes. You know, it's about this part, this part of life, you know? Yep. So, so that was his first, his first observation. His second observation... Second, what is Amanda Peet doing in this mediocre TV series? Apart from having much more star power, her character is not very plausible... She gets dumped in the first episode by some loser schmuck, although with a better makeup artist. She's still a stunning woman that can have her pick of any man she wants. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be her publicist. Like, who... Her star power 
is not bigger than than anybody else in that. I don't think it's bigger than friggin' Mark Duplass and Melanie Linsky, to be honest. I agree. I agree. And um, I checked out Melanie Linsky's IMDb. She was in the movie Coyote Ugly. What was she, the the friend from back home? I don't know. Because she couldn't have been one of the sexy, slutty Coyote Ugly girls. Yeah, I, I can't answer that for you. <laughs> I guess I know a little too much about Coyote Ugly. <laughs> Uh, it stars Piper Perabu. Yeah, and uh, Tom Zer- and her dad or something. Yeah, um, Piper Perabu's from uh, Tom's River High School North, which is why I'm. Uh, uh, Tom's River High School North. I'm up. I'm up on her. But uh, so I thought it was a good show, man. I thought the first three episodes were were really funny. Um, it, it looks like it kind of takes a little bit of a spin, or a little bit of a turn, and gets maybe a little darker as. You know, as the the episodes go on, um, like tackles a lot more like the marital conflict and things like that. Um, they introduce another character who, um, <clears throat> you know, might be a a, a budding uh, infidelity, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the s- charter school guy. Yeah, I mean, seemed a little heavy. Yeah, uh, but I think um, if uh, Steve's this is does what he did in these first couple episodes. Um, I think it'll be a really funny show. Will his will his star ever stop rising? <laughs> you know that it's, was the. Uh, I'm sorry. Go on. No. no well, go ahead. No, 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 I was go gonna, ahead. Uh, back in the day in the late '90s, I was given one of those Onion compula- compilation books, and it was Our Dumb Century. You know. And, Obviously, it wasn't written contemporaneously. It was written after the fact. Right. You know, so it was like the 1984 Onion, uh, supposed to be the Onion front page, and one of the uh, side pictures was Joe Piscopo. Will his star ever stop rising? (laughs) 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 Uh, The pride of Jersey. (laughs) Jersey's own. Joe Piscopo. Yep. Um. Wait, a couple things here is that I didn't realize Mark Duplass was married to the chick, his co-star from uh, uh, the League. Is he? Yeah, the 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 wife in the League, who's in the League. Does oh, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wife who's married to Steve Ranazzisi's character. Um. Oh, that's that guy's name. Yeah, I only know I know it because. I've seen him do. I went to hell. That was when 2013, because it was around when the Super Bowl was in town. The league they did a the league at Tulane, and I went to it. You know, and it was just those guys talking, and then doing uh, each of them doing like stand up. And oddly enough, Mark Duplass wasn't at that thing, which was weird because I was like, well, Duplass must be here, and that's why they're doing this in New Orleans because he's from here. But he was the one member of the league that wasn't at it, of the guys. You know, it was like Paul Shear, Nick Kroll, and Steve Ranzisi. And uh, that guy did his stand-up, and he said he was working on it because he was going to do a Comedy Central special. And it was like six months later, they were filming the Comedy Central special down here. And they... Um, and they were giving away free tickets because, you know, they do, and they do those comedy specials like that. When, yeah. You know, 
because they probably do stuff like that in New York all the time where they have these free tickets because they just want to build up an audience, you know, because they're doing it for the TV. Right. And we went there and saw it, and it was, you know, it was 90% all the material I heard because he was working on working towards this special that eventually aired on Comedy Central. Got it. <laughs> and so, of course, I can't forget the guy's name now because, you know, I saw him twice, you know. I just refer to him as uh, Jay Stocks. Jay Stocks, nice. <laughs> um, but I like, um, I really like um, Mark Duplass's wife. I, I don't know what her name is. Yeah, she's she's a good looking woman. Katie Azelton. Okay. Her name. And I guess, um, yeah, I guess they met out in L.A. or something. Because I was like, oh, maybe she's from New Orleans too, but uh, she's not. Yeah, I mean, those guys have been out in California for a long time now. Yeah. Did um were you at school were you in school the same time as them? Yeah, Jay, the older brother, graduated in ninety one, the year before the year before Josh, and Mark graduated the year after me. Okay. You know, so it was all right in that wheelhouse. I so Jay was there for two years while I was there, and then Mark was there for four years while I was there, because it's a five year school. Oh, okay. Well, Jay, you could come in ninth grade, but most people came in eighth grade. Right. You know? Oh man, there's a there is a episode of Welcome Back Cotter on the TV right now that has George George Carlin playing a DJ. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on except the sweat hogs are in the are in the studio with him. <laughs> uh, is um is John Travolta there? Uh, let's see. They got Lauren Silton Jacobs is definitely there. Uh, Arnold Horshack. They got to pull away. Yeah, there's Barbarino. It's Epstein, you know, Barbarino, Horshack, and Washington. <laughs> that was a great show. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, John Travolta didn't last the whole... No, because he blew run. up. Yeah. Because Saturday Night Fever came out while he was on that show. Gabe Kaplan didn't even last the whole run. Yeah. And then... Like 10 years ago, Gabe Kaplan was doing like the play-by-play of poker on NBC on Saturday afternoons. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> I do. Now, they the the series ran from 75 to 79, and both Kaplan and Travolta were on from 70, uh, 75 to 79. But the, I, I think Gabe Kaplan was doing like, he was only on the end of every episode or something like yeah. that. Like he he got a new job teaching. Get, or, we got to remind the listeners that you are reading IMDb right now. I don't <laughs> want them to think you're an expert on the <laughs> an expert oral historian. Uh, uh, Welcome back, uh, Connor. I'll the tell you what, man. Ran from seventy five <laughs> to seventy nine. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. If there was one episode that I would be close to being a uh, savant on. It would be Welcome Back, Car- uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. I watched that show um, religiously, and I was only a little kid, and I watched it in first runs. Yeah, and like I knew the entire theme song, which was actually written by um, Sebastian John Sebastian. You know, it was a number one hit, and I used to have a book. Uh, actually, my brother had it, and actually, technically, didn't own it. Uh, <laughs> the library down the street it was a reference book. They had the library. It was a story of every Billboard number one hit, and that must have been up until like nineteen 
89, that book. Okay. This is like when we were in high school and he grabbed it because I was the, and I remember I read probably the story of every number one hit in there. And Welcome Back, Cotter, the story was, you know, John Sebastian was already a big deal because he was the loving spoonful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Welcome Back, Cotter song came out on the show and then radio stations start playing it because but because but it was only like a 60 second so- long song because it was a tv theme song they were like dude this song's so big it's gonna be a hit so he went in to the record studio and recorded an extended version to play on radio stations just so that they could have a hit song you know yeah and that's how and that's the story of welcome back cotter being a number one hit song <laughs> Welcome back. That's a great song, man. I used to um Your dreams were your ticket out. <laughs> I used to get upset. Um uh there's a line they say they tease them a lot because they got them on the spot. Yes. And I used to I used to get upset because because uh, I thought it was mean that they would tease him. Yeah. You know? I was a, I was a little kid, what did I know? All the names have all changed since you've been around. <laughs> Who thought the Right there where they need you. Oh, we tease him a lot because he got him on the spot. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> good times. Good ah, times. Good times. Ah, yes. Keeping your head above water. Ooh. Making some waves when you can. Temporary layoffs. Easy credit ripoff. Good times. Good times to film from a live studio audience. Uh. <laughs> I used to always like that on old shows. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like Cheers was one of those shows. Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, all right. What else you got? Um, I, you know, I saw, I wanted to bring this up last week because I went to see him Friday. I saw John Mulaney. Do you know who he is? No. He's a, he's a very funny comedian. He's, he's got a show on Fox, but it's probably getting canceled. And, um, but he's on the Kroll show a lot. The show on Fox is called Mulaney. It's very much like Seinfeld. Every episode, Lauren Michaels is the producer. It comes on Sunday nights. Every episode, he's up there doing his stand-up routine, and then the show's about whatever he's talking about, just like Seinfeld. What's it? What's his name? John Mulaney. M-U-L-A-N-E-Y. He's probably like 32 years old, I believe. He's a young guy. Oh, okay. I saw a commercial for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's on the Kroll show. Um, but... Uh, and like last year on the Kroll show, uh, have you ever watched Kroll show? No. Okay. No. Well, Nick Kroll, of course, you know, because he's on the league. Yeah. He's got his own show on Comedy Central. And it's a series throughout the show. It's a running spoof of different uh, television series, you know, like all inspired by real television series. But it's you know, every week it's the same ones over and over again. You know, like he's got this one... Uh, called Wheels Ontario, <laughs> which is like a Degrassi high type of thing, you know, and they talk in all these, these ridiculous Canadian accents. <laughs> but uh, you got to watch that show. But in between, he's got Mulaney's in one of the running skits they do of a show called Oh Hello, which is like two 
Jewish guys from New York City that have like a prank show where they do where they're giving people too much tuna and they think it's the funniest thing in the world and it's very stupid. But they talk in between the bits. They'll show them out of character, like Nick Kroll and one of the people who's acting with him. And last season, they were talking about it. They showed Mulaney, and he was talking about one of the things he didn't understand that they never explained in Back to the Future is how this kid became friends with a discredited nuclear physicist. (laughs) (laughs) So last Friday, we went to see him. And obviously, at the time, he was just working on that stuff. Because I went to see him last week, and he had a whole big routine on that. (laughs) Oh, you must have loved it. Oh, it was great. He's like, they never explain it. Like... You know, they could have just shown, like, oh, here's, here's how he met him or something. He's just like, they never explain why he's best friends with this discredited nuclear physicist who could be 40 years old or he could be 70 years old. You don't know. <laughs> and he talks about pitching the movies. Like, imagine how that pitch went, you know? How the hell did they even get that movie? And he was going through the whole thing. The guy pitching to a studio exec. It's like, listen here. Uh. This is the thing. It's this guy. He's going to go back in time to fix his, to to see his parents. And he's going to try to fuck his mom. (laughs) (laughs) But, but the real thing is he's trying to fuck his mom, but he wants his dad to come and take over. But instead the family friend Biff comes and tries to rape her. Uh, yeah it was fucking brilliant you know he did this whole freaking like you know he did like five minutes on back to the future (laughs) Uh, he's like he's like no no and here's the thing it's gonna be a 16 year old kid who's friends with a discredited physicist nuclear physicist who for whatever reason we don't even know why he's discredited (laughs) he's like and the kid's very lazy all he wants to do is sleep all day <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was hilarious. So, <laughs> so you, they do have a John Mulaney from 2012 stand-up special on Netflix. I watched. I the next day I watched it. You know, so um, maybe checking it out if you if you get if you get a wild hair up your bum. Yeah. No, I think it will. Yeah. I think it will. Uh, uh, good. Well, how long have we been now? We've been about an, just about an hour. Right. Yeah, about an hour. Uh, I guess I, I wanted to tell you about the thing. Last Thursday, we were supposed to record. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, I was at my mother's house. Uh, and she was, uh, she had to clean up the back of my neck. You know, like when you haven't had a haircut in a while? Yeah, yeah. I call them uh, the hackles. Yeah, yeah. What do you call it? Hackles. Hackles, yes. Well, (laughs) I haven't had a haircut since, well, since November now. I don't like getting haircuts, but I was going to the same regular guy, and I would go every five weeks. I don't like getting haircuts, but I don't like having really long hair, you know? So I was going every five weeks, but and I was supposed to go on December 27th, the day after Christmas. And uh, I I get down there on December 27th. I get up in the morning. I didn't even want to get up because the, the appointment was for like 11 or something, which means I got to get up and shower and do all this shit that I normally don't do right away on a Saturday, you know? 
And I freaking drive down there and I, you know, it's not far from where my office is. And I go up and the place is closed. And I'm like, what the fuck? This motherfucker, where is he? Made an appointment. He's not even here. You know, get no call from him. So I send him a text message. I'm like, dude, we had an appointment for 12. Where are you? Or 11, whatever it was. You know? Because uh, I was this is the guy you, 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 you go to regularly. I remember a couple different times, like, we've scheduled podcasts around haircuts because this guy keeps a weird schedule or he always wants to do on Sundays. Well, he always, he's always trying to move shit around, you know, like, like if it turns out they schedule me for a day when he doesn't have anybody else coming in, he'll be like, fuck it. I just want to go home. And they'll call me up and try to do you mind coming in. And usually I don't mind because I don't freaking like getting haircuts all that much, you know? Right. It's a whole procedure. Cause I got to remember, all right, I got to have shit to talk about. <laughs> and you know, you, you know, and I know I've been getting my haircut by the guy for six years now. So I know what the conversations are usually going to be, you know? So I got to think about the topics. Um, but then, uh, couple hours later finally i get text back from him he's like oh sorry he's like i'm in the hospital right now i'm very sick and uh vlata who's the girl that works with him she's from moldova you know former soviet republic okay and uh he's like i guess she must have missed you she was supposed to go through his book you know and find everybody and call them and tell them the situation i was like oh okay and i felt kind of bad Cause I was like, oh, he's in the hospital. I'm a real dick, you know? <laughs> well, I never heard anything from him. And I just forgot about it. I mean, I forget, but I was like, fuck it. I'm not rushing out to get the haircut, you know? Right. I'm happy with it. And then a few weeks ago, he had a thing on Facebook uh, saying such and such. I was sick. I went back to start cutting hair again the next week. And I couldn't do it. I went back to the hospital. Turns out I have uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or Hodgkin's lymphoma or something. And I'm in the hospital. Good thing is it's one of the most treatable forms of cancer. And I was like, oh, oh fuck. The guys get cancer? You know, and I, and I felt really bad. You know? Yeah, good job, Liv. Yeah. And he's like, well, you can get in touch with Vlado or whatever. She'll cut your hair. I was like, well, I'm not rushing out to do that you know if it gets to a point where it's so ridiculous i can't handle anymore i'll get a cut but i was like eh, i don't know and then last week uh you know i was like all right i can go get the haircut or i can have my mom just clean up you know so i had her clean up and then i went and the neck came home and trimmed up around the the sideburns a bit you know because the sideburns get all shaggy yeah now and we'll see how long we're gonna ride this out <laughs> but yeah, but now it's gonna be ten weeks since the last time I had a haircut. That's a long time. I haven't gone how long so long between haircuts since probably being in Europe. You know how long are his cancer treatments gonna last? Uh, I have no clue. I mean, I occasionally see um updates on there, but uh, I, I gotta shoot him a text or something just to. Just because I know he puts a lot of stock into the relationships with his clients and stuff, so I don't want to. I don't want to be a jerk, you know. It's like you're dating him. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, even if I wanted to leave him, it would be like a breakup. Right. Not that I'm dying to leave him, but yeah. And you can't leave him now in his Yeah, condition. now I can never. Word will yeah. get out on the street. Nobody will touch your hair. Yeah, yeah. So you're stuck, man. <laughs> you, yeah. You have to go uh, uh, ponytail. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a... I don't know how necess- how much I really want to go to the girl that's never cut my hair before either. Because that's the thing. This guy knew exactly, you know, he did whatever. I was happy with what he does. Right. Because it's hard finding somebody to cut your hair the way you like it. Yeah. Now, not that you know. I wouldn't know about anything that. about that. I don't think for at least the last twenty years. I um, when I was of hair cutting um, age, we'd go to a barber, and then as I got a little older, my mom uh, had a friend who would come over and cut hair, and like she'd come over for coffee or whatever, um, and then she would just run through the whole family. Yeah, and that was it. Like. Yeah, then I lost my hair. I started shaving. Well, my yeah, we're not. I mean, my mom used to be a hairdresser okay. back in the day. All right. So I was little. She used to cut off, do all my haircuts. And then when my brother Chris, who was ten years older than me, he he went to West Point for a bit, you know. So he was into the buzz cut, and I worshipped Chris, so I was getting buzz cuts. Yeah, yeah. So then for a number of years, it was my mom just literally sitting me down and taking the friggin' the you know the the brawn friggin' clippers and shaving my hair off, you know? I didn't really start getting regular regular haircuts from anybody else. I got, you know, barbershop haircuts here and there, like maybe in high school and stuff, but I didn't start regularly doing it until I was in college, you know? I remember... even then, it wasn't until, like, maybe junior year where I started going to a real person to cut my hair, you know? I remember there was a... There was a... A, uh, I guess you call it a hair salon uh, on Marshall Street down the alley by like um, it was where um, remember Supremo's Pizza it was very short lived but you got a, yeah. a quarter of a pie for a dollar so it was essentially yeah. two slices yeah and then um, the taxi dispatch was there yeah next to the orange tonsorial um, what's the orange tonsorial that was that barber shop right there, the old school barber shop that was oh, next to the taxi stand. Yes, okay, and then next to that was like a hair salon. Okay. Sean Reardon, I, th- I forget her name, Celeste, I think uh, I think was her name. Sean Reardon used to come, he used to go to her while he was up at Syracuse, but then he would not get his hair cut until he would be back on campus visiting us. Our junior and senior year. He was two years ahead of us, so he graduated when we were sophomores. And he would come up specific and and specifically get his hair cut by this chick. And I think her name yeah, Celeste. That sounds about right. So he was only getting his hair cut. I mean, he came up a lot, but still, that's only like three or four times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I always thought was weird, but I, I never... Yeah, to be gone five hours away to get your hair cut. <laughs> and waiting that long to get your hair yeah, cut. Yeah, I'd be like, I, sorry, I can't get cut by anybody here. <laughs> I mean, it's Boston, you know? I'm sure there was... Yeah, no kidding. Like, you figure... I, do you remember Garbo's upstairs? Oh, yeah, yeah, Dom. 
Yeah, that's who I started going to get my hair cut like the last couple of years I was there because he gave us a deal because we worked at Fagan's. I think he's still there. I'm sure he is because he had he had tanning beds there, so he was always making money off of Syracuse girls. Yeah. 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 Oh, I came up with this great business plan. <laughs> you want in? You get rich quick skates. No, 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 no. This is this is it. This is the real deal. So okay. um, my mom has uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So, uh, it's an autoimmune uh, disease. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's on all kinds of meds and, like, um, experimental treatments. Uh, what's one of the ones? Uh, Humera. You probably see a, a television yeah, commercial for Humera. Uh, but she's been on chemotherapy. She's been on all kinds of uh, injectables. Uh, but she's kind of taken, um, in addition, like a, a holistic approach. And I don't know, it's somewhere maybe she gets a facial or, or her haircut or, or something. Some type of, of um, you know, personal hygiene consultant type person um, has a biomat in, in her shop or her, her spa or whatever. And so my mom would go and like while she's getting her hair cut or while she's getting like a facial or something, she'll she'll spend like an hour on this biomat and it's like essentially it's a jacked up heating pad. But yeah. it's got amethyst crystals in it and it's got you know, like it it deionizes, destroys free radicals, like it's got all this stuff, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. it's not endorsed or or sanctioned or or approved by the uh, fda or anything like that but the new jersey boxing (laughs) sanctioned Uh, (laughs) i I, so she bought one for herself and okay um she puts it on her bed and she sleeps on it and she says you know it kind of helps um but it's got different settings and and it it if you have a headache well then you lay on it and and you put it on setting one and if you've got you know, high blood pressure, it helps alleviate high blood pressure and whatever. And one of the things um, I thought that you could do is you can buy these mats and instead of instead of going in like a tanning parlor, you go into this re- rejuvenation chamber. And, okay. you know, you kind of, instead of sitting in the booth for 15, 20 minutes, you sit on this, this biomat. And I, I originally thought like... Um, places where like you know downtown boston you know yeah. the financial district oh on your lunch hour you go in you sit down and like this is it's it's kind of um um it's pretty common in like uh, bloomberg owns uh, mayor bloomberg owns a company called bloomberg and yeah. they do like a financial television and stuff yeah i know bloomberg tv yeah uh liz stillman works there so i went to visit her one day and like they have napping chambers where they encourage people to just go if you're tired go take a nap because what it does is you know kind of creates you know a continuous work cycle so the theory is well that's the big hot thing right now is the napping yeah you give somebody the opportunity to sleep for a half an hour on the job you can probably get three or four more hours out of them in terms of you know energy and commitment and production so I thought, oh man, this would be great. You put these biomats, you know, in a downtown area. People come in for their lunch, you know, instead of getting their nails done or whatever, they come and they, you know, and they lay down. But then I, I thought, no, you know what's even better? 
college campuses like a yeah. hangover helper. You know what they have here? And I'm sure they must have it up there because I'm sure the idea came from New York or something. And I, I passed the place the other day when we were going to the Mulaney show. We were walking down St. Charles and, and we passed and I explained to Jacob what it was. It's called the Remedy Room. And it's for people like if you have a hangover, you go in, they hook you up to IVs and shit. No way. Yeah, it's totally just like for, you know, they claim it's not all just for hangovers. But but that's what it really is. You know, it's you've been out clubbing or something. You go in. You're like, yeah, I need an IV, man. And they hook you up and you and you're all replenished and ready to go. Are they medical professionals? Uh, I'm sure that's probably not any more than what it takes to be like a phlebotomist or somebody that takes your blood, you know? Holy shit. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Is it expensive? I'm not sure. They probably, I'm sure they probably charge like 50 bucks for it or something. You probably get memberships too. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, uh, if, if that's, if that's how they do it too. Here you go. Remedy room, uh, Charles street, New Orleans, right? St. Charles Avenue, yeah. St. Charles Avenue, got it. Um, ha- hangover therapy, hangover remedy, 149 bucks. Damn, that's more than I even thought it was. I was thinking it'd be like 60 bucks to get it, you know? In under an hour, you get hydrating fluids, B vitamins, and anti-inflammatories that will get you feeling well no matter what the cause, what, what the cause, the need, what, what the cause the need. I don't know. The English must be their second language, but. Um, yeah, yeah. This is uh, nothing's that's under nice. 120 bucks. Damn, crazy! That's crazy. Do they have a membership? Uh, it just seems like they would be, you know. Make an appointment. Mobile clinic. That's crazy. Yeah. No, they don't have a membership. Membership would be a good idea. Yeah, it seems like something you could get. Like, you know, the type of people that are going to go pay 140 dollars for that, or the type of people that would. Do something stupid like pay a thousand dollars for a year long membership to come in or something or six months, you know, whatever it is. However, you would have it structured, you know. Uh, the proprietor is Dr. This is weird. Mignon, M I G N O N N E. Okay. Mignon Mary. You would think her name was Mary Mignon, but it does not appear to be the case. No, because Mignon's a common French name. Okay. So. All right, Mignon Mary. Uh, she graduated from LSU Medical School. Jeez. That's uh, crazy. She's a doctor. Yeah. That is Still. crazy. That I mean, that sounds like kind of black market medicine. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's, let's, let's open one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, if they have one of those in New Orleans, they must have 20 of them in New York City. Yeah, I never heard of them. You know? I mean, not the remedy room itself, but... No, psych- no, 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 yeah. Business. No, no, because no. this is this is like um, Keith Richards kind of stuff. You know how they always <laughs> talk about him um, um, flushing his own blood out and getting a whole new transfusion? yeah, yeah. Keith Richards stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll have to I'll have to be on the lookout for it. Although I haven't had a hangover in I can't tell you how long. Yeah, it's been a long time for me. Probably my sister's wedding, and maybe I wasn't even hungover then. That was six, eight months ago. Because you were drinking so much back then. Yeah, 
No. <laughs> now, uh, now, uh, uh, 48 East Pleasant Grove Road's dry. I got to sneak it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. What else you got? I don't have anything else, man. All right, good stuff. Um, well, then, on that note, well, with apologies to Gert's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. <laughs> Thank you.